General, we are discovered. of Alexander the Great and Caesar. Evil minds that plot destruction. If you look down, you'll see a surprise. Once you see it, you will always want it. Sorcerer of death construction. I must warn you. I will not lead a second in command. I will win by fire. Destined for greatness. I found the crown of France in the gutter and placed it atop my own head. You want to be great, but you are nothing without me. Say it. I speak for all of us. We will all sleep again without this villain. Welcome to the latest film club and it's Napoleon, directed by Ridley Scott and starring Joaquin Phoenix and Vanessa Kirby. Links are in the show notes, including an article on six of the best books on Napoleon that I've written. If the film piques your interest, as well as other links, I've got a bonus episode coming out soon when I get Napoleonic historian Adam Zamoyski's reaction to the film. So please do subscribe so as not to miss out. Please share, share, share and rate and review. This is the last film club until January next year when we'll be doing Conspiracy starring Kenneth Branagh and Stanley Tucci. But until then, I'm going to hand you over to me talking Napoleon with Tim Hewitt. Tim, welcome back. Film Club, Napoleon. Thank you so much. A pleasure. And listeners, so Tim and I managed to get a an advanced screening of Napoleon. So we got out, I, I got out my review quite soon after. And, but we're only doing this recording actually well after the early screening. Mm. Um, but it was, felt very fancy to have gone to another. Well, you're being bombarded with invitations now, aren't you? I am. I am. So, yeah. So Napoleon, I, I, I mean, before we went in, there were already rumblings in the historian community. So I, mm-hmm. I wanted to mention this to you, Tim, because this is probably not a world you get that your only access to that is through me, I think. Uh, yeah. But, uh, access through, you know, um, the, what historians think about things. Oh, well, yeah. But the thing is, is that I was actually aware of it anyway because of you know i saw headlines yeah i saw but they the were first made head- by ridley scott weren't they yes rather- well well exactly um well that's the that was my intro into the whole 
into the whole the rumors or the 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 what was written by historians because the first headline I saw was Ridley Scott in quote saying these historians who are saying that it's historically inaccurate need to get a life. Yes. Well, so okay, um, we'll get on to that. We'll get on to that. That's how I got into it. Yeah. So, so yeah. So I think he made three separate comments about historical accuracy and historians. So I won't, I, some listeners may be aware, some may not, but just briefly, as you mm. say, first of all, anyone complains about historical inaccuracy needs to get a life is his first <laughs> comment. Second, uh, how do historians know, were they there? And then I think the third one was the first two books on Napoleon were probably got it right, but all the others, they made it up. Right. Or made shit up. That might be the comment. Uh, one mm-hmm. of the two, same meaning. So so that's the, and that has, um, th- those three comments have caused a huge amount of upset amongst historians, both academic and uh, I guess there's the other term is popular historians. It's all... This is then going down a, a rabbit hole of who thinks who's a historian, which I find extremely tedious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you write books okay. on Napoleon, your historian doesn't really matter anyway. So, so some care, some don't. I take a view that Ridley Scott did this to get more attention and to get more people to watch his film. And if that means more people want to learn more about Napoleon, that means more people buy books on Napoleon. And that would make yeah. me happy. Very, very true. So I, I, I don't think it really matters. I, I think it's I, you get a lot of pearl clutching amongst historians, and you know their precious discipline has been traduced by this clumsy filmmaker who's come in. But well, if you take uh, my view, is that he's an artist. He's creating art. It's yeah, not a documentary. No, I think this is the thing that we, you know, it's always the jumping off point. It's not a documentary. These films aren't documentaries so to think that you're going to the cinema to watch a film directed by ridley scott to have a history lesson is a bit daft i don't know maybe because you know if it's called it's called napoleon so you think maybe at the back of your mind uh well uh, so i'm going to learn all about napoleon and you know there may be aspects to it aspects of history you know are, 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 are accurate and whatever but it's an interpretation You've got to remember it's an interpretation. Was there this much backlash? Well, I don't know if it is backlash, to be honest, but was there this much attention when Braveheart came out? I mean, Braveheart is hogwash in terms... It's a great film, I think, but it's not in any way accurate. Yeah, no, I agree. But but no one goes, oh, I now know all about William Wallace and exactly what happened. But you, you get an idea of the character... Napoleon, I think you get an idea, maybe, or an interpretation. It's an interpretation. So, yeah. And so a historian would probably come back and go, well, you know, I understand all that. But you, when you take actual liberties with the truth, and mm. um, for example, and we'll get into most inaccurate scene, but <laughs> Napoleon is in a place when we know he wasn't, he was somewhere else. Yes. Now, that that I mean, so a historian would go, well, you know, that is wrong, and you shouldn't put that in a film that's meant to be about a real person. Or you put a title card at the beginning, saying the following events are not historically accurate. Yes, <laughs> which I don't think he did actually, did he? No, I um, mean, you could go based on a true story, you know, because based 
on a trip well, based on historical events yeah something i mean i suppose because then yeah. yeah 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 um but but yeah so historians might say that but i i would then counter again saying well if they showed napoleon won the battle of waterloo mm. then fair enough but i don't think he made any there are it's littered with historical inaccuracies mm. it's a historical mm -hmm. car crash however i don't think there's any moment in the film where he takes such a liberty that it changes the general narrative mm. of napoleon's life i.e it was you know uh, glorious if you were french glorious heights to mm -hmm. crushing defeats you know uh, and like like uh killing hitler in a cinema in inglorious bastards yeah 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 it's not exactly. that sort of liberty <laughs> no there's nothing like that in there and, no. and it, i think people may also be upset with um the fact that josephine who is played by vanessa kirby um joaquin phoenix plays mm -hmm. napoleon of course the fact that she's i think 14 years younger than Joaquin, Vanessa mm -hmm. Kirby is, mm -hmm. whereas Josephine, I think, was six years older than... So there's maybe that, but I don't know. I, I think Vanessa Kirby played it in such a way that she was the mature, uh, the maturer of the two in the relationship. Yes, I would say, certainly. And so I'm a little bit less uh, upset about that, but I can see why mm. people would be. Mm. Yeah, she was six years older than him. I guess the thing is, is that coming from someone like my, you know, who I'm not a historical expert, but the, the, I guess I go, and I'm not an expert in Napoleon. Uh, I go into a film and, and as I'm watching it, I, I will think to myself, oh gosh, did, wow, I can't believe that happened or that. Uh, and, you know, I may, I, I may not be right. I, it may be complete, completely inaccurate. So in a way, it's misinforming me. I don't know. To, for me to think, oh, well, Napoleon did this at this time. For so, but only for someone like you to go, well, no, he did, that didn't happen. I, oh, oh, well, I suppose there's a bit of disappointment. Maybe, but that means you're talk, having a conversation outside of a cinema about Napoleon. Yeah. That's well, good. Exactly. That's good. Um, I mean, That's good. if you go to your grave thinking something happened when it didn't, but you weren't that interested, so never spoke about it. <laughs> Does that really matter in the? No, I suppose not. I mean, I, the thing is, ha having known about this, the the inaccuracies before I saw it, I kind of just went in with an open mind, going, "Okay, well, I don't know what's true and what isn't. I'll just enjoy the film," which I did. Yeah. I, so I um, I, I I think well, you know, if if it sparks discussion and you say something that is inaccurate, and then I uh, and then we get into conversation about it or even better if you if it piques your interest and you actually pick up a book mm. and, I, and listeners i shall mention a few books there are so many there's i've put a link into my six best books on napoleon and these range from biographies to focusing on a particular campaign to focusing on josephine to focusing on napoleon's love of gardening which didn't feature in the film and also talking about some of uh, one one of his great opponents who I don't he never met but Toussaint Louverture of, of the um Caribbean island of Haiti who led the Haitian revolution these books 
if you are interested in Napoleon, I take you into a massive world of a Napoleonica. And um, and I think uh, I would recommend also putting a link to the screenplay that Stanley Kubrick wrote, because that was 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 a passion project of his. I mean, it's kind of renowned, I think, but he got so involved in the research for this film called Napoleon. I mean, it became an obsession that he, I think, I don't know if we mentioned it on our last pod or when we spoke about Napoleon last time, but the, the, he, he had um, cards filed in cabinets for every single day that Napoleon was alive. And on each one, he knew exactly where Napoleon was that day. And his pre-production was so vast. I mean, they had, you know, they were well into pre-production design, uh, costume design, production design. And then, the film Waterloo came out with Rod Steiger and didn't do that well at the box office and all the financiers of Kubrick's film pulled out so he couldn't do it. So he did Barry Lyndon instead. But it's a very interesting screenplay to read because I, I would I would bet it's historically accurate compared to Ridley Scott's. I don't but think it, Ridley took the card for every single day. I of- doubt it. No, I, I very much doubt it. Um, Ridley Scott doesn't, or compared to what Stanley Kubrick did, Stanley Kubrick didn't make very many films. Um, like he did a film like every few years, so he his preparation and whereas Scott does, you know, the next because he doesn't write, whereas Kubrick wrote his his screenplays. Ridley Scott said about Martin Scorsese recently, I think, in an interview I, I read that Scorsese's made one film since 2019. I've made four. Yeah, yeah, but he, Martin Scorsese, probably made one good one. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I don't think Ridley Scott is obviously a really good director. I mean, he's had some turkeys, in my opinion, but his classics are class. You know, they're they're classics. Blade Runner, Thelma and Louise, Alien. Uh, I would say and his Gladiator last, and Gladiator. We haven't. I would say we haven't mentioned Gladiator, which no, that drew people into the whole. I mean that almost i don't know if it changed cinema but it did get people very much everyone got very interested in in swords and sandals well that was that was in my opinion that was thanks to braveheart braveheart was the first epic of that scale that had really been made since maybe the 60s and i don't think gladiator would have happened had braveheart not been made because it was only just a few years before braveheart and Braveheart was so huge. I mean, it won all the Os- all the Oscars. It really put Scottish patriotism firmly on the map. And you know, to this day, they paint their faces blue um, when something's happening at a football match or whatever. And I don't think Gladiator would have happened. Um, Gladiator was great. I think Gladiator was Ridley Scott's last really good film. Like, Not The Martian. The Martian. I thought. I think The Martian is good. It's really fun. It's great. But it's you're not going to put it on a classics list. I don't oh, think. I think I would. It's got it's got Sean Bean in. Okay. And Matt um, Yeah, but I don't know about. I mean, I really enjoy The Martian as a piece of, you know, Saturday night. Hey, it's such fun. Let's watch The Martian. Gladiator is a really great piece of cinema. Oh, I, uh, I, I, don't, I think The Martian is definitely a great piece of cinema. Okay. I mean, the you, fact that it's you, got Sean Bean in. I'm going to mention Sean Bean again. I'm just again and again. Would you put The Martian? on the same shelf as Blade Runner and Alien. No, but I, I mean, would we're put talking Glad- classic. 
but I wouldn't put Gladiator on the no, same. No, Gladiator's just a notch below them. And, I, and that's where I would probably yeah. place The Martian. Right, okay. Maybe that's a interesting. bit. Maybe a I'll little put it a bit, a little bit further down. Well, you always uh, say that's interesting. What you actually mean is you're completely <laughs> well, wrong. Are you, are you nuts? <laughs> <laughs> no, I like varying opinions. So what's the... Yeah, just very quickly. So the, the Kubrick script, which I think would be really interesting for people to read, um, that... that was his whole life. I mean, he's, I think the script opens when Napoleon's nine. Um, and it really is. Uh, and it's narrated. It's, it, there's a narrator, um, a voiceover narration. And it's, and it's, um, it's, it's not a, a breezy read, but I think it's really interesting. And it would have been very interesting to have seen the film. It's such a shame it never happened. Overall, then, I, I despite its litany of historical um, inaccuracies and, and faux pas, I actually did really enjoy it. It's like you. So I went in thinking at the moment, I think it's the first scene I, I realized, oh, okay. So he's, he's, I the, think the, the scene, is it I, the battle? I don't think that's the first scene. No. no. First scene is the first scene is the execution of oh, Marie, yes. Marie Antoinette. So I don't think that's giving anything in the way to, and listeners, if you're worried about spoilers, don't, there's, there's no, there's, I don't think it's a film. You need to be that worried about spoilers. I'd be surprised if if listeners to this podcast are unaware that Napoleon lost the Battle of Waterloo, and and that is the kind of culmination of the film. Mm. So yeah, so opening scene, death of Marie Antoinette, and and who's in the crowd? It's our uh, Joaquin playing Napoleon, and that's the mo- when I saw that, I thought, oh, okay, well he wasn't there; he was <laughs> south in Toulon fighting, mm-hmm. fighting an individual who sh- who I'll mention in in a, in a minute, but. Mm. Um, I real I realized. Okay, don't get annoyed. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, it's it's helpful because it shows Napoleon seeing the chaos of the revolution and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and people have got very upset that Marie Antoinette's hair is too long for the scene or too short. I can't quite remember now. She had long hair in the scene, didn't she? She, she did in the film. Yeah. Yeah. So in in reality, she didn't, um, mm. or it was held up. Or it was a very it, good opening scene, though. It was. Yes. And I think that's when I realized, like you, I, I was like, OK, just really don't get annoyed. Don't pick over this kind of mm. stuff. Just sit back and enjoy the ride. Uh, I just had to keep on reminding me of that throughout. the film. Yeah. And the thing is, is that the opening scene also, I felt that set a specific tone, which we'll get into, then sort of changes. You know, I, th- I was like, oh, I see. This is the sort of film we're going to be in for uh, it's going to be pretty brutal probably it's going to be like really quite serious to, and then and then things slowly changed i'm quite um, yeah i'm quite keen to watch it again because uh, i mean mm. i've said to you before we started recording i'm sure it, i think it's a comedy yeah you you said this when we came out yeah i didn't pick up and i didn't pick up as much as it as you did then i read some reviews i read empire's review and i was like oh they thought they didn't want to call it a comedy, but and 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 I knew that there was humor in it, but I didn't pick up as much as you did because I think I was in a mind maybe the first the opening setting got got me into a mindset that I was like right I'm not um I I'll I'll laugh at, at the odd at funny lines but I didn't recognize the comedic aspects as much as you did but then looking back I, I really in retrospect I'm like mm, actually yeah that, it was quite comical there are certain scenes that are very comical. Looking back, and I think there's more and more actually. Mm. And mm. you know, I wasn't the only one laughing in the cinema. 
And it makes me think, actually, when I did walk out of the cinema and mention that to you, do you think, did you say to yourself, oh, that's interesting? Or I did. I went, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. The, the, I... But the thing is, is that not one of the characters in the film thinks that they are in a comedy, if you know what I mean. It, it's deadly serious for them. Uh, you know, Napoleon is, is super, super serious. Um, Josephine is obviously very serious. But, you know, like, for example, their lovemaking scenes are very funny. Yeah. Wait, if you can call it that. Sorry, I, I, you, probably, you probably can't call them lovemaking scenes. And I, I thought Joaquin Phoenix was excellent. But I'll be honest. This is one. This is the radical thing I have to say. And I think Scott, really, Scott could have done this. But of course, you need someone like Joaquin Phoenix to sell the film as well as Ridley Scott's name. But it took some getting used to, and I'm not sure I did get used to it completely, that Joaquin, that Napoleon spoke with an American accent. It jarred me a bit because everyone else is English, except for the odd Austrian who speaks with an English with an Austrian accent and a Russian who speaks with a Russian accent. But everyone's British, English, actually. And I think it would have been spot on had all the French people been French in a French language film. Okay. That's my what, point. What about then that he's Corsican, he spoke with a Corsican accent, and then you can... Or, or that. Or well, can you pretend that the American accent is the Corsican accent? I don't know. <laughs> Again, it's like well, what no, we discussed I, before about the whole... Well, it's been done before. The great Oliver Stone directed Alexander, where all the Macedonians speak mm. in Irish accents, the Athenians and the those further south speak in sort of public... But I think, you know, you could have done... You know, it's like the the... You know, I think we're grown up in a modern, we're 21st century, grown up enough now to just watch films in their actual native language. You know, the 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 gene, the the brilliance of something like we've mentioned it already, in Glorious Bastards, is that everyone speaks in their own language, and it's so dramatic. And the the, the where eagles dare syndrome, where everyone is speaks in their, but then suddenly speaks the other language but in the same language that they speak in real life is crazy. And I think we can now, I know you've got to suspend your disbelief, but I think now we could, it would have been brilliant if Napoleon had been French. Well, yeah, I think Kasovitz would have been a great Napoleon. Yes. Because he's quite short. Yes, good point. I mean, and there are, there are a number of French actors that you could have actually cast and it would have, and Ridley Scott would have sold the film you would have put something like Marion Cotillard as Josephine or something, and it would have been brilliant. That's my yeah. argument. I, I'm with you. I mean, look, I, to be honest, if if <laughs> if someone's making a film about Napoleon, I'm going to watch it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And if Ridley Scott's making a film about yeah. Napoleon, I'm 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 going to go to the have cinema. Have you seen? It's actually he made it back to back. Clint Eastwood made two World War Two films. One called Flags of Our Fathers, and the other called Letters. From Iwo Jima, and he and they he made them back to back. While he was making Flags of Our Fathers, he realized that wow, wouldn't it be amazing to make a film from the Japanese perspective? And in fact, Letters of Iwo Jima, in my opinion, is better. And it, the the whole thing is in Japanese, and it's amazing, and it's authentic. And I think one can do this. Oh, we should we should do that on the um, we should double, do this on a double bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can think of a historian who's written about this who would, might be interested in in um in that. Saul David might be up for that. Oh right. 
Fab. Um, yeah. And it's, um, they're really great because, you know, in one scene, in fact, in Flags of Our Fathers, you see it from an, the American point of view. And then in Letters of Ujima, you see it, the exact same scene from the Japanese point of view. And it's really mm-hmm. clever. You've got to, I think if you didn't know that, you wouldn't pick up on it if you watched the films, you know, in, with a, a space of time between them. But it's, it goes to show you can put, you can do a film in its native language and it's great. It's great. Oh, yeah. I mean, if so, I was saying, you know, I would go definitely uh, and did go and see Ridley Scott's Napoleon, but I would have preferred Mm. a kind of, well, I'm a bit of a purist. I would have preferred because this was a lot of fun, this film, but I would have Yeah, I'd have preferred. um, I don't know. Joaquin Phoenix is he's one of my favorite actors, and I do genuinely think he's one of the great, greatest American actors working today. And he's always been good. I don't think he's ever been bad. I'm not the. That he would ever be bad but i i he's so good and high, so watchable that i you know he's great in the film but that's just it was just a little niggling thing yeah 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 well okay so so we've talked about the historical side we, mm. what, what what else have we, we've talked about the whole feel so yeah you 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 i think you need to have another watch to be convinced as to whether it's a comedy or, or yes not. i do and i will watch it when it streams at its 4 hour length that he's planning on doing. So it was three and a half hours, wasn't it? Uh, no, two hours, 38. So, oh, right. So he's going to four hours. Yeah, he's doing a cut that I think is he's that they're going to stream on whatever they're going to stream on. Yeah, which I will definitely watch and most likely recognise as a comedy. But the, the I, d- I mean, I don't know if you could say Napoleon comedy on IMDb or wikipedia if they'd ever say napoleon is a historical comedy film based on the life of napoleon and his exploits and with josephine etc but the regardless of that it's extraordinary looking the the production design the costumes are phenomenal and the battle sequences one in particular are brutal and properly hard-hitting i thought great use of cannon fire on frozen lakes um yes yeah so we get what do we get we get toulon the battle of toulon we get the battle of the pyramids we get the battle of austerlitz we get the battle of waterloo i think mm-hmm. i'm missing one out there were five battles in there i think yeah they're, and they're really well constructed you know because i think we're sort of desensitized now to to fighting and in films i mean battles and you know uh war but i i would say that ridley scott has done i don't want to say fret something fresh but there were aspects of the battles that i thought wow this oh god that hit me hard i didn't see that coming i thought uh, the osterlitz was a bit uh, i was um okay so it's interesting i i wasn't that keen on the battle of osterlitz for a start I don't know what's going on with, with the obsession with everyone every, every second tent having a massive tricolor flying over the, the the Oh, I didn't really that didn't really bother me. Well, every every army's every second or third man is carrying a massive flag representing who right. they are, which I assume is for the audience so we know just in Yeah, case. but this is French. Yeah, because we they all speak English, so they have to. <laughs> <laughs> they have to have some sort of identifying mark. Yeah. <laughs> I thought Toulon was brilliant though. Yeah, absolutely. And and so my ancestor Samuel Hood was the naval 
admiral in in sitting in his boat in the bay who um who actually it was the land forces that that lost um too long mm. i'll have you know it was nothing that the admiral hood could have done he did everything that he could right he is blameless <laughs> I'm but i sure. thought the siege of too long was really really good yeah yeah i agree the you know the... his horse getting hit and oh it's fantastic yes yeah that was really good um, and I think the pyramids, by the way, you know, there was this thing. I, I don't he... mean to say I approve of 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 horses being killed for for, no. for enjoyment. I mean, it, it, just, it showed the realism it was of the battle. Yes. Yeah. Um, he he, and I know there was a bit of an uproar with the pyramid, and he shot. He yeah. I, so that's why I think it's a comedy. But I think wasn't that in his mind? How do you know what's in Napoleon's mind? I don't know. I just felt that it is that him imagining. I I, I guess it's symbolic of his victory at that particular battle, although the campaign itself ended in defeat. One thing that I I came out of the film feeling that it was lacking was I came out thinking, I thought that he was an extraordinary strategist. And I don't feel I got that enough. And I don't know whether that was Ridley Scott going, well, you know, I didn't plan to show you that he was an extraordinary military strategist. But I do think that that's something that he's known for. Yeah, um, it is. Renat- and so I was like, oh, well, I want to see, I, I, I'd love to see him properly at work figuring stuff out. And and he there was sort of touched upon it a little bit, but not, I, I kind of went, well, that's why he lost <laughs> in the end. Well, so I think Osterlitz is is his masterpiece, but I don't think that they portrayed it particularly no. accurately. I think that he says one couple of things like "wait until they're," I can't remember now, but "wait until they're on," "wait until they're f- further forward" or something. And I was like, "Well, uh, you know, I wanted to see the chess." Yes, yes, you know you him. Know. Well, he does that at the end, which is slightly laughable. A um, little bit, but yeah. With, with Waterloo and the Hundred Day Campaign, where he opens up the map. He has the map and he's, I think he's in, he's in Paris at the time. And he goes, mm. right, well, we will um, fight them here at Waterloo. Yeah. I yes. mean, we'll get on to most inaccurate scene, but that, you know, that that's probably yeah. the least of, of the faux pas of the right. movie Scott. Right. But, but I suppose it's because he also wanted to concentrate on Joe's relationship with Josephine and who who maybe he was as a human being, which, you know, sometimes there were very funny things, but were maybe insightful to the character. Like when he walks into a room with Josephine there and he's basically starts making very odd noises, which is, you know, kind of hinting that he wants some sort of sexual activity. And it and it's interesting that's interesting. No, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good Ridley Scott film, but there are bits I was like, but uh, w- what do you want us to, to get out of this exactly? But yeah. I, because it's called Napoleon. So you think, okay, do I know him any better? I don't know. I think it. I need to watch it again, actually, to be honest. I mean, it's very difficult. There's loads of additional reading you can do about mm. the relationship between Napoleon and Josephine. And but I thought they they, they had quite a good crack at showing that they had, you know, there was a lot of affection. Yes, also that. quite practical, but also quite practical regarding the coronation. That 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 was quite accurately done, actually. Yeah, yeah. that the, their relationship was very good, well done. I mean, well portrayed. Definitely got Josephine's 
depression, morose nature, and the friction between them are really well done. And, you know, he was kind of like, you really got that he was an oddball. (laughs) Or at least that's what I felt. I just, you know, like great lines, like when he's talking to the Brits, oh, you think you're all so great because you've got boats. Yeah, I mean, that's ridiculous. Um, that's why I, that, that, that <laughs> to me, mean, you know, that's a comedic line. Yeah. But it does show a kind of petulant narcissism exactly. that Napoleon possessed. I agree. Zamoyski's spoken about this when I um, spoke to him about the, a, the invasion of Russia, which is shown in the film. And obviously they focus on the winter, but listeners should be interested that the summer, the summers that the army had to go through were pretty horrific. But anyway, the uh, Zamoyski spoken about the sheer lack of empathy that Napoleon empathy was not something that he possessed, which is why him and Tsar Alexander fought. Just couldn't put himself in Tsar Alexander's shoes to see this campaign. It'll only end in in war, and he won't give up because that mm. would mean effectively. Tsar Alexander killing himself. But yeah, so I think it was quite good at that kind of thing. Uh, Plus his rather boorish um, behaviour in front of Mm. other monarchs. Yes, very true. That was really well done as well. Yeah. Yeah, that really came across his sort of petulance and his, his, um, his arrogance in a way. Now the French are up in arms and uh, Mm. listeners may (laughs) know that I have a love-hate relationship with my French listeners. They hate me. I love them. Right. Okay. Yeah. I didn't but, know this. <laughs> but it's just been... Dis- well, I've covered a few battles, Waterloo, Cressy, Poitiers, Agincourt's coming up. But French listeners, if there are any listening, they will be aware that... I think it's been described as a kind of Anglo-Saxon portrayal of Napoleon. Yeah. Therefore unflattering of course yeah <laughs> uh, know, right so should we do our categories should we do our categories yeah, absolutely absolutely let's get on to um, those right so um these are these are recent listeners recent since jfk which was our epic mm. discussion and I, I dived into a little bit more conspiracy in a recent in 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 last week's podcast john ellidge about the history of conspiracies we chatted a little bit about jfk just i'm just oh, like plugging my own podcast here but I brought your name up, Tim, as a historian of conspiracy. I asked him what he thought of someone like you who does not believe that Lee Harvey <laughs> yeah. Oswald killed JFK. Mm. And and so we briefly discussed that. Anyway, uh, so, okay. so the Zapruder Award for Best Scene. Now, uh, my uh, nominations mm. were The Siege of Toulon. Mm-hmm. I, I would definitely agree with that. The Coup. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. Any scene with um, Napoleon and Josephine together, because they're just so enjoyable. Yeah. And then finally, um, this most ridiculous, finally, the scene with the... It's it's quite short, but he's having an English breakfast, chatting with some midshipmen. Yeah, I knew you were going to... So I would have said this one as well. So uh, those are my nominations. That's towards the end. Yeah, yeah, towards the end. Are there, are there any that you would you would include? I was going to say I really like the opening scene. Yeah, with Marion Antoinette. Yeah, 
Yeah, um, I can't include it because I know that he wasn't there, so it seems a bit. Although it's right, quite okay. good showing Marie Antoinette being executed. Yeah, as I mean, it's not nothing. It's, I'm not like sort of power of the mob. Yeah, and it was just the, the feeling it created. I, I sort of wish that the rest of the film had just kept that that sense that that overall dread because it does. It's, this anticipation is great, but I would say Austerlitz I thought was cinematically very well done. Okay. Yeah, so that's your nomination for Osterlitz. So we have to we have to get would have been one. Yeah. I mean, I the coup was great because the coup. Uh, yeah, showed... the coup was brilliant. And Napoleon's just sort of the Joaquin's version of Napoleon is showing his sort of. I don't know how to describe it. I mean, yeah, is that petulance, isn't it? Yeah, but it, it, he he like I was going to say actually is I mean this is one with Josephine so it's kind of the the under the nomination of all scenes with josephine but it's when they're having dinner with guests um and they start having an argument and it's brilliant it's really good actually that scene i mean vanessa um, kirby is fantastic yeah she's very 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 good in this i think it was meant to be jodie coma really yeah and then something happened something a scheduling or something i can't remember but um but so vanessa kirby is known hmm. for playing the young princess margaret yes first- First and then year. now she's in the Mission Impossibles. In the first um, few series mm, of The Crown. Oh, the Crown. in Mission Impossible now, right. Mm. She really held her own, and more so, to be honest, and we'll get on to her best performances. I know, mm-hmm. I think I know who my nomination is, but mm-hmm. yeah, she's, she's absolutely fantastic. And and I think that's the thing about this film. It's a really, it's good to see a really powerful female character in a yeah. film that, that's about a, you know, a, a general. Right, and pretty much men. The whole yeah. way through, yeah, lo- loads. Yeah, of it. we'll talk and now. Kind of saving Rupert Everett for later because <laughs> we can briefly mention it. But yeah, some people have said he was really good. I, I've... I, I thought he did his job, but I'm. I know what you're going to say. We'll get on to that though. Yeah, right. So <laughs> uh, the best scene. So uh, Siege of Toulon. I the coup was really good. I, I the think coup is I, really good. But I, th- but I think it's the scenes with, to me, and I, mm. I I know it's more than one, but mm. I think maybe you've picked it, the, the scene in the dinner with yeah, uh, yeah. Josephine. That's brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and I've got to mention, very quickly mention the cinematography. It's very good because I'm, I think he was taking it, well, I don't know, to be honest, I'm like completely wrong, but I want to say he's taking a leaf out of Kubrick's design for Barry Lyndon, where all of the interior scenes at night were shot by candlelight and that's it no artificial lights other than that um so i'm curious whether that actually did happen um I'm yeah not sure interesting if... to know that because i read some criticism that mm. the sh- film was shot it was too dark you didn't see the colors of clothing maybe it's because i don't know i'm i sort of want to say i don't think ridley scott is that much of a kind of perfectionist and and innovative if that's the word innovator whereas Kubrick you know had these lenses designed specifically for that so that the aperture was really open and you could get as much light from just candles so I don't know but it did look nice yeah, it, did. it looked amazing and you've mentioned Barry Lyndon Ryan O'Neill recently mm. died yeah oh, really sad I just um, love Barry Lyndon yeah it's brilliant it's so good well yeah, nothing like that, unfortunately. Argo Award for most inaccurate scene. Now we can be here all day. Okay, on this. right. The film. 
<laughs> yes, the entire <laughs> film. And the award goes to Napoleon. <laughs> you know, there are so many. Yeah. But... I mean, I, you're going to have to choose this because this is... I think the most egregious, and there are so many, but I think the most mm-hmm. egregious is the Battle of Waterloo. Is mm-hmm. just, it's, so, it's just a, a ridic- it's so ridiculous. I mean, how long would it take for you to explain exactly how? Well, it looks like he waits till five in the afternoon before he starts the battle because it's raining. Mm, yeah. I mean, he, it, it did delay him, but not that, not by that mm-hmm, much. Mm-hmm. Um, Wellington, played by Rupert Everett, is. <laughs> we'll get on to. Yeah. I mean, we don't have a. a, a okay, fine. Um, the, <laughs> the 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 British army or the allied army i should really say is all sort of in world war one type trenches and then when the cavalry attacks the french cavalry attack they leave their trench and go and make squares in front of their trenches yeah it's ridiculous yeah the but at the beginning of the battle a rifleman which i assume is a nod to sharp has a uh, <laughs> I don't I didn't look closely enough to see if it actually was a Baker rifle, but it has a rifle with a what looked like a telescope strapped to it as a kind of telescopic sight. <laughs> yes, I do remember that. <laughs> and he asks and, he, and he's he's saying he, yeah, go on. Yeah, he asks Wellington's mm. permission to mm. shoot Napoleon. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> which okay, of course that never happened and yeah. the the Baker rifles whilst it was accurate i think up to about 200 meters or something or 200 yards it was just laughable <laughs> that it would be able to reach um yeah. and and, I th- and and of course that didn't happen but i think it's inspired by the film waterloo where right right okay the artillery officer asks the christopher mm. plumbers wellington who's brilliant as, as wellington yeah. Can, yeah can can we um open fire on on the mm-hmm. then it looks as though, oh, and then Napoleon takes part in the cavalry charge at Waterloo, yes. and he then the Prussians arrive from the wrong direction. I found, in general, to which is a dis- slightly disappointing. I found the Battle of Waterloo decidedly underwhelming, and I felt that, regardless of anything, I, I just felt that it should have been something because it's almost the, it's the climax of the film. It should have been something a little bit more interesting. They could have done something, maybe made it accurate, and it would have been interesting. I don't know, um, but I feel okay. One thing I should say: it's very mm. difficult for Ridley Scott. You know, with that Sergei Budnarek film, have I pronounced his surname correctly? Waterloo. Yeah, I think at the time that director he was the he commanded the fourth largest army in the world. He had a whole bunch of Soviet or um soviet troops at his disposable for the, the mm. battle for the waterloo film and mm. it's pretty accurate and that's two hours set on one battle yeah i think it's almost impossible for ridley scott to reach those heights well that's true but but all sorry. those things i've <laughs> outlined he could have not done yeah 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 absolutely i would you know i think you've i think it's obvious it's there Waterloo. are other little things here yeah, and there, yeah. like the the Union flag in seventeen ninety six mm-hmm. is a mm-hmm. doesn't it seems to as though Ireland has joined the Union yeah five years early. We see a lot of well that we talked about that soon after we came out, didn't we? But there's there's a lot of that in films actually, and it's simply because 
no one would know. Yeah, they know what, it, they know if, what they're doing because if you put a weird flag in, people will yeah. go, "What's that? What's that?" It's like you know. So they, we need to go. That's that the Basque flag. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. I think that there have been examples where there haven't been enough. Uh, sorry, there were too many stars on the on the American flag in certain historical films, and you're like, "Well, that state hadn't joined yet," and that yeah. and that, you know. And they, but you know what? I guess. Uh, I mean, a few other things. I don't. I, there was never a, a kind of let's test to see if you're still fertile or not by having sex with the nearest teenager. Yes, that was a bit of an odd one. Um, um, although he did have he did have a, a child, Alexander, out of wedlock with a Polish mm-hmm. um, aristocrat, I think. Um, well, I think Waterloo is pretty much. Yeah, that, Waterloo that, that, is yeah. pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> Very bad. Uh, so um, the the mm-hmm. Argo Award for most inaccurate scene goes to the Battle of Waterloo. The mm-hmm. Simon Award for best performance uh, for Baker. me only one. It's Vanessa Kirby. Yeah, I, I I think as much as I love Joaquin Phoenix and I thought he was great, you know the the, the I think Vanessa Kirby had more of a challenge. Not taking anything away from Phoenix's performance and the fact that he's almost in every scene anyway, but. You know, it, she's re- it's a great, it's a really great performance for something you would think actually maybe on the page wouldn't have been that much to work with because she's kind of the damsel in distress, you know, but she really made it a rounded, meaty character. Yeah. And it was just, you know, so, I mean, it was horrible. Some bits were just quite upsetting. You know, she's not a happy bunny. No, no, but it's... um it's yeah, it's really, really well layered mm. character. You know, Josephine had been through a lot as well. She was in the Bastille, and yeah, um, her husband I think was executed. And it's fantastic. There's a really good book by Kate Williams called Josephine, all about mm-hmm. Josephine. Mm-hmm. About Josephine, and uh, it's yeah. lovely when he brings his child to the lakeside, and she carries. She's yeah, really that was at... accurate. They got that right. <laughs> yes. Well uh, actually, done. Then. Yeah, you know, you're right. That's a really nice scene, and mm. she really doesn't say anything in it much, if anything. I assume, and but she just the look she gives this it's really, really, really well done. Yeah, I mean, talking about the comedy, uh, it, w- they did meant there were a few lines in there that I thought were just so comedic, but one that they missed out on was "Not tonight, mm. Josephine." In phony, it said. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, that right, would have so- been a comedy for sure. Gary Oldman Award for Best Supporting Performance. Okay, it's not mm-hmm. going to Rupert Everett. I thought it was parody. No, I mean, yeah, and and he was a playing blip, a bit of a blip, but he was. Yeah, you're right. To me, he was playing a uh, he was playing Stephen Fry, Stephen Fry's Duke of Wellington in Blackadder. In Blackadder, a, yeah, like a parody of a parody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's too old. I. Oh Paul. yes, you didn't have mentioned this yet. He's you said Wellington, of course, isn't he was Napoleon and Wellington age, the same age. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so they got the age of Napoleon about right. Joaquin is around mm, mm-hmm. around the same age from from part mm-hmm. of the film. But Wellington was not nearly 70. No. Supporting I mean, I love Taha Rahim as an actor. He's brilliant. French. He's excellent, yeah. Uh from from uh, a prophet. A prophet. Uh, and 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 we talked 
briefly about the last uh, the looming tower the tv series that he's in the uh, tv series yeah uh, sorry tv series yeah and he's just brilliant um and actually i thought he was really great in this as well yeah he plays paul barras his sort of um, yeah couldn't he have played napoleon napoleon's benefactor yeah he easily could have played napoleon and he could have done it in french and it would have been brilliant yeah <laughs> I quite liked the Scottish actor. Mark Bonner played Juno. Right. Um, yes. And uh, I mean, they missed opportunity with my, uh, the actor who plays Marshall Ney. However, Marshall Ney, uh, that was John Hollingworth. Marshall Ney, I guess he's so such a charismatic figure, it might have detracted from Napoleon himself, so I can understand why. Right. Um, but yeah, supporting, I, I guess there's... Taha Rahim is probably the numero uno. Ben Miles yeah. is playing Colin Court. Yeah. Um, they're, they're all kind of in, in and out and they disappear. You don't see them again, do you? Not really. He sort of comes through the film sporadically. Uh, it would have been nice if Mark Bonner had been in it more because he was really good. But I think my, I would probably go with Taha. Is that how we're, we're pronouncing it correctly? Taha. Yeah, let's go uh, with Taha. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think he deserves it from from being great and every other things as well. Okay, so he wins the Gary Oldman Award mm. for Best Supporting Performance. I mean, Napoleon's mother's in it very briefly. It's a bit Sinead Cusack. Love her. Yes, yeah. But other than that, I can't really think of anyone. It's really about the mm. the main two. Yeah, I agree. And uh, Rupert Everett. I mean. The other inaccurate scene, I just get this in because it's just so glaringly wrong, is mm. Napoleon and Wellington meeting at on the HMS Bellafron. Right, yes. I need to get it out of my system, relax. It was just a fun <laughs> film. Uh, yeah. Legacy rating. So it's got lots of people up in arms in the history world. It's, mm. I don't know, how how are we looking at attendance? This is difficult because, well, I mean, actually, yeah, what, what, are, what are the, how are the box office, what's it doing now? Well, I mean, so it's, it's... as of okay, so as of hmm. a couple of days ago, Napoleon grossed uh, fifty over fifty three million mm -hmm. in the US and Canada, and one hundred and seventeen million. Mm -hmm. So that's just over a shade over one hundred and seventy one million dollars mm -hmm. so far. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, now I think it costs two hundred million to make, or up to two hundred. Um, is it actually two hundred? It's all. It's all very. You never really know because so much is spent on marketing, and is that how much is included? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I. I mean, so does that mean it maybe not it hasn't broken even yet? I think it's a two hundred million budget. Mm. I think it's about to. It's about to reach that. But um, you know, there are some people who argue these films need to make double that for the mm. studio or the streamer or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For them to be even think it's a success so mm. who knows who knows well um, i mean legacy is tricky because what's what is going to happen is it going to be remembered i mean it depends what we mean as legacy as well because what is it going to be remembered for the film that was inaccurate i think it's already made waves because what when was the last time we saw a, a film based on napoleon i mean there was that ian home film where he plays napoleon yes. in in St. Helena, that's very good. Yeah. Um, Time Bandits. And, Bill and, and yeah. Bill and, and Ted's also, Excellent Adventure. And, yes, that's another one. And Love and Death, Woody Allen film. Oh, I haven't seen that. Uh, 75. Um, and um, then, of course, Waterloo, Abel Gantz. Yes, of course. Napoleon. Um, but, yeah, it doesn't, 
and, and probably in lots of films, French films that I'm, I'm I should have watched but haven't. Well, I would. But I think it's made okay, on that alone. Then it's then, yeah, yes, then yeah. It's, a, it's like so we say just a solid three out of five. Okay, fine, that's good. I don't think it's going to do what our last film JFK did, which no. Um, the thing influ- is, is that that, that influenced also... U.S. democracy. No, exactly, <laughs> and changed, uh, or rather, made forced investigations based purely on the fact that it was. It proposed a very convincing conspiracy. Yeah. So, um, listeners, if you're thinking after all that, oh my God, it's a, it, it is this historical car crash. I'm not going to go and see it. I think you, mm. you'd be wrong. Go and see it. It's a lot of fun. Oh, no, it's really enjoyable. Yeah, really, really good fun film. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's a sort of sit back, relax, and enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, I agree very, very much. And I will watch it again when it's on when it's being yeah, streamed. I'm keen to watch it again. So. Thanks, Tim. Next month, we're going to be doing to commemorate the uh, on the anniversary of the Vincey Conference, which and so this is not Mm -hmm. a fun topic. This is the meeting amongst the bureaucratic upper echelons of the Nazi regime in 1942, January, I think it was. And well, it was January. It was I'm not sure if it was 1942 or 41. 42, I think, when the uh, Holocaust was put uh, put into action. And this is a film that was made over 20 years ago, um, starring Kenneth Branagh and Stanley Tucci. So we can have Roger Morehouse is going to join us, and Colin Firth. Uh, not, is he joining not, us? Not 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 to join. Sorry, he was in. He's in it. He is. It's an all star. There are loads of great British actors in it, actually. Yeah. And it, and it's you know it's perfectly perfectly in keeping with our favourite thing that they're all British, one American playing Germans. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> and it's one of your favourite things. It's an Absolutely. ensemble cast. Yeah, actually, I, th- yeah. I do believe it was made for TV. Was it, it is. Yes. Yeah. So mm. so that means it. Yeah. Yeah. So and uh, you know we haven't discussed Oscars because obviously we don't know about Oscars, but. From mm. Napoleon, but what do we think about um, Napoleon's chances in the Oscar category? I don't think it's gonna do. I don't think it's gonna pick up many. I think Vanessa Kirby should get a nomination. I think she'll probably get a nomination. Judging by the Golden Globes, I don't know if you've seen them, uh, the nominations. I don't think she's. I think I think the win at whilst you're doing no. that. I, I think it's not. The, Clear nominations are going to be Killers of the Flower Moon and and uh, Oppenheimer. I should imagine will really dominate. Yeah, so I assume that either I mean Barbie's leading the way in the Golden Globe nominations, um, but I don't know. I mean, to be honest, I'm not sure it, whether it should swoop Oscars, but whatever. Um, Have you, you seen know, Barbie? Think... No, <laughs> I will. Um, but I, I, I. You know, I think we're pretty keen on on Oppenheimer and and Killers of the Flower Moon was, you know, I think it's got a good chance of stuff. But um, I don't think Napoleon will be high on the list. No. Okay. well, as I said, next month, it's conspiracy. But Tim, thank you. Happy Christmas. Thank you so much. Happy Christmas to you and to all the listeners. Listeners, thanks so much for listening to our film club this year. This is our final one of the year. It's been such great fun. It's been a riot. We really enjoyed it. We're going to carry on with films next year. Mm-hmm. Starting and with... I'm plugging... Sorry, starting with Conspiracy. No, 
starting with conspiracy what what, what and, do you and i'm planning for the anniversaries coming in february for the deaths of john dillinger and bonnie and clyde so i'm i'm plugging for bonnie and clyde with warren Beatty and faye dunaway as a double bill along with public enemies with johnny depp michael i love a bit of michael mann michael mann yeah Great. Well, also coming up this year in 2024, it's the 20th anniversary of the release of Alexander. Ollie's favorite film. Yeah, one of. <laughs> and also, also the anniversary in September will be the 80th anniversary of the Operation Market Garden. So I think we're going to have to have a bridge too far action. Yeah. And that will be a great discussion. Yes. <laughs> okay, listeners, thanks again. And I will be speaking to you next week, but Tim won't. Tim will be speaking to you next year. Fantastic. Can't wait. Thanks so much for listening. This is the penultimate episode before Christmas Day. But thanks for all you are listening so far this year. Please share, rate and review. And in the meantime, thank you and good night. <laughs>